Welcome to Cars on Call. I am automotive journalist and gastroenterologist Steve Schutz with co-hosts, trauma surgeon Stefan Moran and, and automotive collector connoisseur historian Adams Hudson. And we don't have to do too much further ado stuff because I like, and Stefan, you are too, we're like totally psyched to hear about this. So last week there was a Honda S2000 behind our wonderful co-host Adams Hudson. And now there's like the coolest car with the coolest color. Adams, talk about your damn new car. It's so awesome. I picked up a nice little Subaru Outback. <laughs> the CDT transmission that everybody loves. It's driven by rubber bands or it's maybe this one. Yep. The uh, Honda S2000 is no more. And I'll see what I can do. Look at that. Ah, look at that fancy camera work as I drop the microphone. Excuse me for the unprofessionalism. Ooh. There it is. Um, anyway, this is a uh, 2002 uh, Ferrari 360 um, gated six-speed, which is what I'd wanted. Oh, you know, sweet. We, you know, we talked about this and a this or that. Uh, not to, Excuse the camera juxtapositioning. I need a professional doing this. Um but we talked about it in a this or that. Uh, I think it was versus, it was, it was versus the uh, the first gen NSX and in a classic uh, uh, heart overhead move, I picked the 360. And, you know, it this this was a big break for Ferrari. Uh, went to the Ferrari factory uh, this past spring. And the big break was that the 360, there's the, the, the coveted shifter with the little click, click gated shifter, uh, six speed. Uh, the big break was that they went to a lot of aluminum. They, they made an aluminum frame. Most of the body panels are aluminum. There's just tremendous amounts of aluminum uh, made by our friends at Alcoa in the United States, by the way. But, um, you know, I did not get rid of the Honda S2000 because I did not like it. I mean, that's, that's, that's never my modus operandi. It's not because, oh, I really loved it, and then I hated it, so I got rid of it. I just wanted the experience, and so the experience had passed. The Honda, it's hard to criticize. It's a tight, fun little car. Um, it, it it didn't move a lot on my needle of enthusiasm, whereas this car really does move my needle of enthusiasm. Um, you know, this, this car, uh, I, I like cars that were out to sort of prove something, and this car was out to prove something over the 355 it replaced, which, you know, arguably a 355 could be a prettier car. Some, you know, that's always subjective. But this car was um, um, a, a couple of hundred. It was seven inches wider. It was a little bit longer, a ton more luggage space, if that matters to you. And honestly, on some trips, it, it can matter. Uh, there's a great deal of room behind the seats. Uh, there's a decent sized trunk up front, bigger than a 911, if you can believe that. The trunk up front is bigger than a 911. A and it weighs almost 200 pounds less than a 355. Uh, you do not have to remove the engine to do the belt service as you do in a 355. So they try, you know, a la 1970 Pantera, you know, you could remove the belts from the interior. And Ferrari just figured it out with this car. Uh, so, uh, it it was a big break, and it was more reliable than the 355. It had about uh, it well, it has 400 horsepower. Thank you for that picture. That's a good pick. That that may be um, oh, I can't call that 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 color name. It's not Tour de France blue, but uh, it's that that's the darker blue, and it's just I'm drawing a blank. But 
the starfish alloys and the whole look where they split the grill. You see, you've got two air intakes instead of the one central one, which Ferrari had, you know, tr almost trademarked that look for years. Those air intakes run to radiators that are parked in the back in the, the motor compartment. And I can tell by looking that car's got the, the Challenge Stradale seats, which are about 10 grand a pair. I don't have those. Mine has the normal seats, but I've got a pair of Daytona seats sitting right over there under that lump of stuff uh, that I'll be putting into the car. And, you know, so far I'm in the honeymoon stage with this car. I'm still figuring it out. It's figuring me out and it's fun. Yeah, talk about the color because you have a very, very interesting color. You think of Ferraris, you think of red, but I find uh, non-red Ferraris more interesting. Uh, talk about your color. It is beautiful. Well, and it, you know, you and I are very color sensitive. I know you went to great lengths to pick the color of your 911, the Oslo blue, which is just the most fabulous. But I've got a bit of a weakness for blue, and I've been through the red cars. You know, I'm, I'm of an age that I don't need any more uh, fingers pointing, uh, you know, it, look at the bright red car, the bright yellow car. I'm I'm sort of over that. And, you know, there was a lot of them. They say about 70 to 80 percent of the cars uh, sold, at least at one time, were red. I think that number has has trimmed down some. It's still in the vast majority for Ferrari. Uh, but they made about 8,800 um, uh, 360s, only about, let's 1,810 of them came to the U.S. and only 469 of them with the manual transmission. That's not a lot. And then only 10% of those were blue. So you're talking plus or minus 50 cars that were ever made for the U.S. And, you know, people crash them and do whatever they do to them. And so the attrition rate is, is still pretty low because these are low-use cars. But that color is called NART blue n-a-r-t for north american race team that was the color that the nart had chosen for its race team and there was a tdf blue and then the other darker blue that you showed that's not called blue sarah uh and so there's really not that many blues there's a uh a grigio alloy which is a lighter blue that looks almost silver but it's a beautiful shade of blue but this one just hit me right between the eyes the owner and i hit it off. We spoke a couple of times on the phone and I committed to buy it and had it trucked here uh, Wednesday. Came from Southern California. The guy's a, um, he owns a vintage race car preparation and service shop. Wow. And, and you think, wow, what a specialty. He employs 22 people and had 105 cars uh, awaiting service when I spoke to him. Well, it's a beautiful color. And I mean, I've got, you know, my Cobra that I've ordered that's uh, I'm going blue as well. And I think it's just, I think darker blues look great on a sports car. Um, really like it. Yeah, I think so too. Hey, um, I've been thinking a lot uh, about Ferrari recently. And um, here's, here's the question I'm going to ask you. Everybody talks about the Enzo era, uh, Adams, and that's when Enzo was alive. And that ended right before the 355. Uh, it may have been, I think the 348 was the last one. It doesn't matter. It was sometime yeah. in the 80s. And then Enzo died. And now um, we're at another period. And I think, and I want to get, this is my question. I think we should, and I'm not a Ferrari guy, we should mark the Luca era as being just as important as the Enzo era. Luca de Montalazemolo comes in. And he saves Ferrari. He makes Ferrari from 
crappy cars, which regrettably they were at the end of the Enzo era, into good cars like yours. And he also made them very desirable. When he was, I'll say this, this is the term, picked out unceremoniously, unceremoniously by, um, oh, I forgot the guy's name, Sergio Marchionne. Yeah, Fiat, yeah. He uh, had Ferrari running perfectly. And they, he said, we want to have, we want to make as many Ferraris as people can buy and want to buy minus one. Mm-hmm. So when he was kicked out, they made about 8,000 Ferraris. Last year, they made over 13,000. I think we're going to look back. It's too many. I think it's too many. And I think we're going to look back at the Luca era as a golden era, and he will be missed. And I think he probably already is. Your car is from that era. I totally, I, every single word you just said, I say, amen. That's right. I mean, people look back at the Enzo era, uh, like it, you know, it, 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 it's, it's, it's sort of glows and with some ethereal light because that's when the guy was there. And that's true. And it maybe is a little bit of the pressure we put on the air cooled era Porsche, but to attach it to one man and you're exactly right. I mean, you know, Ferrari is Ferrari, the man, but at the end of his reign, his cars were not terrific. Luca changed all that. He also brought Formula One glory back to Ferrari. Ferrari was languishing in racing, all the things that they stood for. So I don't disagree one bit, Steve. I think the Luca era was. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think Luca reached down and found a pair. I mean, he's <laughs> down there he and did. found a pair. Hey guys, so listeners, I just threw up a picture of Adam's car with some truck nuts hanging off the back. Um, so Luca found a pair. I mean, he reached down there, took the company where it needed to go. And, uh, so in honor of Luca finding a pair, here's a 360 with a pair. This is uh, Stefan's company. It's a fledgling company that he's calling Gonads. You see, uh, you can buy those online. <laughs> well, you know, I love it. I, I put this picture up on purpose because I love the back of the 360. It's just got that tiny little lip spoiler. There's yep. no giant wing back there. And it's just, it's classy done. It's not boy racer. So, but I had to adorn it a little bit. I know this is going to be, this is the gift that keeps on giving the truck nuts. All right. You know, and it's funny that that rear view, I agree with you, Steph. It is very classic looking with the twin uh, tail lights. You know, they did not abandon that. The 348 was a not good design. The 355 is a very pretty car, but I think the 360 harkened back to a lot of their classical design cues. And you can get a challenge grill to fill in that blue area where the little prancing horse is. Um, that that's punched or drilled that they call it to let a lot of the engine heat off. That is more of an issue with the F1 cars, meaning the automated uh, transmission cars, which were not that great, by the way. But it's less of a problem with the six speeds. I kind of like the body color rear, which mine has. Mine doesn't have yeah. a ton of options, uh, but those can be bought. Yeah, but I just think that that the tail view is good. The side view is good. The overhead view is good. There's not a line on this car I don't personally like. Well, I can't wait to hear more about it. All right. Well, congratulations, Adam. What's next, Steve-O? Uh, next up is we're going to circle back. And we had a lot of fun last week talking about uh, 10 new cars you can buy today that are cool and 10 cars you can buy today that are not cool. And we had a great time with it. And frequent guest uh, and friend of the show, Jeff Bank, my partner, came up with his list and jeff really knows cars uh i have had uh two areas two uh bits of information where i disagree with jeff 
uh, that I can think of. And both times he was right and I was wrong. <laughs> so it's like arguing with Adams. You can't do it. Right. When it comes to <laughs> automotive minutia. Yeah. No, uh, He's going to win. So anyway, I said, hey, Jeff, uh, we did this and come up with a list. And uh, I'm going to read through his his list. A couple I'll go through quickly because it's the same as us. Uh, that car uh, that just popped up is on his list. So that is a GT4 RS Porsche. This particular one's in Willow Green. But um, he chose that. Again, a wonderful, wonderful car. If you listen to Spike's car radio, Spike and uh, Zuckerman just got a car just like this, only it's an Oslo blue, which is my color. And it's a it's a great car. So Jeff picked that one. He picked uh, the Miata, which we talked about, the 911, which we talked about, the Bronco and the M2. But he also picked, look at this, guys, the CT4V Blackwing Cadillac. Like Wait a minute. I thought you said he was your junior partner. This looks like what a senior partner would pick, man. A Cadillac? <laughs> he hasn't got it yet. <laughs> I'm like, I know they're cool, but I just, I know he, I mean, I'm kind of, ex I think that gives me some hope for Cadillac that your junior partner would think this is actually cool because I think my generation that can afford a car of this price at this performance point my generation is just going to remember the malaise area of Cadillac and just like, man, yeah, it's cool, but it ain't in my driveway, but I, maybe there's hope for Cadillac after all that Jeff younger generation does think this is cool. Who only grew up knowing the Escalade. So if Cadillac comes out with a cool car and perhaps Cadillac, you know, should just maybe move to the Escalade and performance sedans. Um, maybe that's a niche they can maintain be interesting to look at their overall sales but I, I thought it was an interesting pick and gives me a little bit of hope for Cadillac you know it does me too and I look at that and it was such a good pick by Jeff like when I saw the email I thought where was I I mean because that car is a heck of an effort engineering wise I think styling it has a you know a lot a lot of pluses it's obviously a, a very performance oriented cars I love the bulged out fenders the big wheels the big brakes uh, I'm going to guess this car is in the 500 horsepower club somewhere in that. Is that a supercharged V8, I presume? Uh, I have no, no idea. Whatever it is, we know it's potent and it <laughs> yeah. looks cool. And I am super encouraged that somebody in, in uh, Jeff's demographic age-wise likes Cadillac. I'm like you, Steph. It's like, yeah, it kind of gives me hope. Jeff's a manual transmission guy. He's got a Miata and he had an E39 m5 with a manual so he likes manual transmissions this is a manual uh you can get a manual with it and oh my this is like legit uh contender against the m3 or the m5 it has a manual it's two-wheel drive this is a real real car by the way uh i'll talk about this in a second but uh m3 really legit car this car totally legit audi s4 nope you know, while you look at the Cadillac super quick, like scroll back down, I just noticed something like what a what a wonderful styling touch, not just punched at fenders, but look at the uh, the heat extractor on that front lower fender. It's yeah. not causing a lot, calling a lot of attention to itself. It's not chrome. It doesn't have badges all over it. I just think that's a, you know, go Cadillac. I really, really like Jeff's pick there. I think these have sold very well. Uh, I, I, I completely agree with Stefan. If they can continue this it will help them add legitimacy and excitement with younger customers because 
unfortunately, you know, we know them as a fading brand, the Escalade. All right. But enthusiasts aren't psyched about an Escalade. This car is for enthusiasts. Yeah. Way to go, Jeff. Thanks for mentioning it. Uh, the Range Rover, you can scroll down to that. Uh, I guess we mentioned that. Um, yeah, we met, yeah, we talked about it. That's he, one of my picks. Yeah. He picked the Civic Type R, which I again is another pick. So uh I thought that was really a, a great list. And uh, I agree with the Adams. That that Cadillac I had not thought of. The uncool cars. Yeah, um, this interesting his demographic. Let's see his uncool cars. Here we go. BMW XM. Oh, well, oh my God. It's just <laughs> that thing is uncool to everybody, except for I don't know who that I don't even know who. Who this appeals to me? I really don't know. It's... Tell me when it's off the screen. Okay. Because <laughs> I, I can't look. That is, yeah. just, oh, Lord, BMW. What in the world were you thinking? Yeah. Uh, the, exactly. the, the good, the bad, and the ugly from Car Magazine that we love. Uh, they said about this uh, hit repeatedly with the ugly stick. And uh, <laughs> yeah. yes, they're right. And then, I picked the Cadillac Lyric. He picked the Lyric too. But let's show a picture of it just to kind of emphasize that it's not cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he picked a, a bunch. I also picked the Hummer EV. He picked the Hummer EV. I hate it. I actually saw one in person. First one I saw it last week. Uh, it looks gigantic. And I just it's just so stupid. It's a 9,000-pound thing with not much range. And I don't see what the point is. He picked the. Yeah, as I said last week, it's the Antichrist on wheels, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know that, it that will, it's going to kill and maim people. It, it you know I, I I look at that vehicle and I and I'm 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 typically pretty styling sensitive, but that car offends me philosophically. Yes, what absolutely. it stands for, what it is, its design mantra, it, 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 the whole of that car truck offends me. You All can't right, really, you can't really tell with it. You can't really, you can't tow with it. You can't, you can't haul a lot of stuff. Uh, it's not great to take road road trips in because of range, and then it digs troughs into the road because it's so heavy. Um, yeah, he said Mercedes EQS, which we talked about. Escalade V. I I put the Escalade down as a cool car, but the V yeah. is stupid. Yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, it it is stupid. I mean, all right, I mean, here's here. Toyota Prius, he said, can't ever be cool. Uh, hey, I saw one that said had the bumper stick, had a big sticker across the back window, and it said the uh, USS um, Enter Prius. <laughs> like the Enterprise oh, Star Trek. Like, uh, I was like, that's kind of funny, but it's pretty nerdy. But uh, it's I mean, very Prius, nerdy. The Prius, by the way, turned 25 last year it's been out since 97 i mean That's is there nice. anything good to say about it it's it's a niche vehicle i mean they they came in hybrid to market they maintained that market share i mean it's not for me i think it's i never liked the design i've been in one i've driven one i don't like them but um i think it's that entry point hybrid that they've corned toyota's cornered the market well with the product and they've continued to deliver on it i mean i give kudos to um toyota because they they're like no hybrids are where it's at not evs and their prius is an example of that 25 year old hybrid you know I, I i i think it's saving grace at least for me is that it, it gave social acceptability to the hybrid vehicle you know everybody else's attempt before was a swing and a miss 
Toyota came out with this, and though none of us really like it because it doesn't fit any performance parameter, it does, as I think uh, Steph mentioned in, in uh, the design episode, it was the truest to him of its orig original design mission. Yeah, be right. different, be different. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. You have to give it respect. Uh, well, you don't have to, but you should, I guess. Uh, but if it were in eighth grade, it would get locked in a locker. All right. So um, he also said the Ferrari SUV. And I talked about how Ferrari went from 8,000 cars a year to now up to 13 and they're growing. It's because of the stupid SUV. Uh, we've seen, we've shown pictures before. I don't have to do it again. But I agree with Jeff there. I didn't yeah, list it. But he's song, he's yeah. right. And he put the Forerunner as not cool. Uh, I put it in my cool list. Alpha Tonelli. Let's talk about the Alpha Tonelli. We have criticized this before. What is is that a Jeep underneath? What the heck is it? It's some it's the Dodge Hornet. The Hornet. Heaven help us all. I mean, it just I, I feel sorry for Alfa Romeo. The best thing about that car is the wheels, and I'll leave it there. They came, they tried, they left. And this is in a calipers. <laughs> Red calipers. Yeah, it's a shame. Uh that's it's a real come down for a, a story brand to uh to now say, yeah. You have an Alfa Romeo, by the way, it's based on a, a compact Dodge. Mm. Hurtful. Yeah. So uh, anyway, that's it for Jeff's lifts. And I, we had a lot of fun with, oh yeah, before we move on, I wanted to say a few things, but I want to hear you guys, if you have any extra thoughts about the 10 I, cool, I do. 10 not cool. Go ahead. Yeah, I do. Um, I'm, I'm trying to get it back up here. I mean, I'm just, I'm lost here in my graphics. Um, I did. I had a couple other cars I thought more about this cool thing. So if I can find it, here we go. I want. I wanted to bring. I thought this was kind of cool. This is the Hyundai Ionic Six. Goodness. I think what? it's, but it's avant garde, and you know we talked about Hyundai design where they they push the limits, and you know the, Hyundai still has faith in the sedan, unlike a lot of other manufacturers. Yeah, and I applaud them for that. And here they're bringing an EV sedan. It's got the other little spoilers in the back, but that's all about aerodynamics. And then um, I drove the Polestar 2. I think Polestars are cool. Here's our Polestar 3. I think it's cool because it has no um, rear window, rear windshield. Mm. It's mm. got a, so I, those are the other two I wanted to add to the list. And this is the one that, um, that Jeff had on his list. It's totally uncool. I have to agree. This is the, Toyota BZ4X. I don't even know what the hell this thing is, but Ooh. it is just god awful ugly. Um, and then I'm going to finish with one other ugly one that I hate: I, the BMW <laughs> X6. I mean, oh my god, this thing! Hey, this hey. whole coupe thing, SUV coupe thing, is the stupidest design study. Mercedes has one, BMW has one. I mean, has them, and uh, they're just awful, awful, awful. Well, they've 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 forgotten the, the 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 definition of the word coupe. I mean, that is a two door vehicle monstrosity. A SUV. It's supposed to be a pillarless two door vehicle, but now they've changed it to be a sort of carved off, uh, shaved down sedan. That's a sedan. That's what that is. It's a jacked up. It, it's awful. It's it's yeah. a low roof sedan. I don't know why they have to like like forces force that onto us, but I don't like one car in that category. <laughs> None of the grand coupes or whatever the even the Mercedes coupe. I mean the CLS. I mean that's I wish they didn't call it that. It's not a not an unhandsome design, but the BMW versions are bad. 
Steph, go back to that that uh, Hyundai Ionic for a second. Okay, all right. Let me go back. That is here. a great. Yeah, that is a good looking vehicle. And the tail lights. Look at that, and 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 go look up like a 1978 Chevrolet Monza, or go look up like a 1994 five Infiniti J30 that was designed by Jujaro. And those tail lights are very reminiscent. But that is a very attractive car to me. Steve-O, what do you think about just looks-wise? Yeah, I did think of the Infiniti J30, which was very controversial and never sold well. And uh, this does remind me of that. I don't think it's going to sell. I don't think it's going to sell. Well, sedans aren't selling. But, right, you know, right. now, you know, but this is a global mar- This is a global vehicle. I think it's just okay. In, yeah, I think it will sell in other marketplaces. But it has a lot of cool design tech on it. Um, that you know, I just I just applaud Hyundai for bringing a affordable EV that is cool to the market and with great design keys. I applaud anybody who's not making another SUV. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, I think it does look good, actually. And and uh, very quickly, Stefan. No rear window. No rear window in the in the Whole Star Three. Yeah. They, so what do you, we talked about on an earlier show. Camera, I guess. Yeah, they got it. They've got a digital camera. And if you think about it, when you look behind you in your car, you know, you look in your side mirrors, you still have to stretch your neck, even if you look in the rearview mirror, because you've got A and B C pillars. So you actually have a diminished field of view. And especially like if you're in the if you're in a, a large three-row SUV and you look out your window, there's not a whole lot to see. Now they all yeah. have these new cameras that bring up a screen. But that's going to be a transition where you learn to look at that. But um, Volvo said, you know what? With the A, with the B and C pillars obstructing B, we're going to just have a rear view mirror that is a digital rear view mirror. And actually, you have a larger field of view combined with blind spot. And I think I think it makes total sense because, I mean, there's a lot of cars that I've been. The rear view mirror is absolutely worthless. Yeah. Um, my Mustang is one of them. You know, I've got, thank goodness, I've got blind spot in my Mustang because you look out the rearview mirror. I mean, you just—it's just a straight slot out the back. You don't see a whole lot. So I think it's, on, it's cool. I've gone on family trips, and you load the car up, and uh, <laughs> you put all the stuff in the back. And kids, you cannot see anything out. It's completely useless. I would love to have an electric camera, electronic camera rearview mirror. You look up where the mirror is, and it's—it's it's a camera view. I would love to have that. So, I had some some thoughts because I thought of cars that are cool and their counterparts that used to be cool and aren't cool or just aren't cool. And I, I, I just want to go through this quickly because I listed yep. the M3 as a cool car and it is cool. comes with a manual. I think it looks great. The The front grille uh, has been described as beaver teeth. I don't care. I think it's pretty good. It is. It is. Oh man. But I said the M3 is cool, but the, the Audi S4 is not. The M5 is cool, but the Audi S6 is not. I don't know why. 10 years ago, the Audi S4 was cool. Now it's like a trim package and you have to get the RS. Uh, and they only have the RS6 now. I don't think Adam's right. I mean, the, the S4 now isn't what it used to be. Oh, it's not. You're you're dead on. It's not what it used to be. It is blah on blah. It is just a trim package. It's, it, it used to be super cool. And, you know, when when they had the, uh, the S4 with the V8 and the big growly exhaust, I mean, I thought that was a fabulous car. But look how bland that is. I mean, I don't want to pay up for that. And go up to the BMW. It's a way more dynamic style. You know, the one with the twin twin nostrils, that one. I, you know, even though that car does look pretty good, I can only, when I see that grill, 
I see somebody's buttocks at the office party <laughs> off of a Xerox machine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, I just you know, I somebody sat on the copy. They printed it out. There it is. Yeah, uh, this this whole BMW design thing on the front end. You know, we had the bangle butt area. Um, yeah. Era, I mean, the bangle butt era where he changed the rear ends on the BMW. Now they're changing the front ends, and I just these this. I mean, maybe it will look okay in a couple of years. I still don't like it. I like everything else about the car, but that. But you're yeah, right. That you, the Audi's just gotten boring as hell. It's yeah. so boring. And then you scroll down. So there's the Hyundai Veloster N. That's cool. And then yeah. the Hun Hyundai Elantra N. Not cool. Yeah. <laughs> right and right. Yeah. <laughs> right and right. Yep. What about yep. what? Yeah. What about the Stinger? Cool or not cool? No. No. I still like the idea that they're trying to make a hot. Sedan. Same here. I, 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 I like the fact they're that they're trying. They try. Yeah. Yes. A for effort. And then I have BMW 760i. Cool. It's not that really is cool. not cool, dude. That, that, oh, hey, I'm trying to make that, a point. It looks like a coffin on wheels, man. I'm trying to make a point. Uh, BMW 760i, cool. BMW i7 looks the same. Not BEV, not cool. So that was my point. The BEV oh, is say, not cool. I got you. Okay. Uh, okay. But it's, you could argue, guys, you could argue that the, the 760i BMW is a cut price BM or Rolls Royce Ghost. Well, yeah, big yeah. time cut, but it's ugly, man. <laughs> it, it's it, it still needs brass and mahogany handles on the side. Oh, and, damn. And, and eight of I your close friends lift funereal, <laughs> funereal. All right, I'm gonna move on quickly because uh, first for time, but second of all, this you guys are not gonna argue with the Ineos Grenadier is like an old Defender. That's cool, and I think the new Land Rover Defender, in comparison, is not cool. Yeah, I think I don't think the new defenders are cool either. I just uh, it's uh, the styling too hard. Work. They tried. Yeah, you're right. They tried way too hard. They overdid. What is that? Is that a first aid kit taped to the side? What is that? <laughs> what What do yeah. you do with that? Or is it a parachute? I can't figure it out. <laughs> Explorer package. Uh, but yeah, the first one is cool, Steve. I didn't even know what that was, but that thing looks terrific. It looks like business. It looks like I am ready to go in the mud, to roll over stumps, and to tumble down a hill and still get you home. Ineos is a car company that we need to be aware of. Here's why. Ineos is making that Grenadier. It is the old Defender made right, all the problems fixed. It's going to be reliable, well-built, and it's going to be able to go off-road and it's going to be luxurious. And here's the thing that's critical. Ineos is the biggest company you've never heard of. They are the second largest chemical company. They sell, they buy, they sell, they sell chemicals, they make chemicals. They are a many, many billion dollar corporation. And the owner has said, hey, I'm going to do this on the side. So they don't have a funding problem. Yeah. <laughs> I've never heard they're of gonna, They're going to be for yeah. sale here. They're going to, they're going to start selling them in the U.S. next year. Wow. That's well. If you say they made it reliable in the same sentence with Rover, then they don't <laughs> use that motor, right? No, 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 no. I think it's a BMW engine. There you go. Okay. I I don't know for sure. They haven't announced that, but or I haven't read it. So, any other thoughts before we move on to safety, Adams? Do you have any other thoughts about the ten cool or uncool cars? I had a lot of fun thinking about it. 
I did too. I, I had a cool car that I left out. The uh, Stefan, you should have it there. The the Mercedes AMG wagon E sixty three. Somebody okay, mentioned. Yeah, oh, let me. Um... Somebody mentioned the Audi wagon. So that's a, that's a very close comp- competitor. They're in the same ring. But I just think you know. You know, like we've we've sort of lauded, yay the sedan, you know, not that one. <laughs> yeah, there it is. You know, yay the sedan. I mean, I again, I, I like anybody who's trying to do something a little bit different. So, yay to the wagon or the shooting brake. I mean, just having. I that, absolutely agree. Yeah, man, and and you know, look look at that price tag there, one twenty one. The Hummer is basically the same money. No, I would have that ten to one over that Hummer truck. And then in the not cool category, <laughs> oh my God, yeah. sweet mother, help us all. <laughs> Look at that. The Murano cross, cross Cabriolet. I mean, I remember I've seen one of these things on the road. I'm just like, what the hell? I mean, it's it's it, that, that thing is the, one of the ugliest vehicles I've ever seen. It absolutely is. The Murano cross dresser sitting right there. <laughs> it's kind of like it's the Toyota Solera. Uh, oh, oh, so good. <laughs> yeah. for, for you know, I, 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 I looked on the website to find this hideous thing that we're looking at. And they tried to make it look good, you know, with the ocean <laughs> in the background. It still doesn't help it at all. And and the the best thing Nissan could say about it is they said it is the world's first four-wheel drive convertible. Like, uh, d- d- did everybody else miss that? I mean, who thought that was a great, great idea? It's like exploding gum. I mean, you can put two things together, but it doesn't necessarily make it great. And I just that that car just just bothers me. I mean, if you if you if you're going to be four wheeling, do you with with the decent chance that you'll roll over? Who said, man, let's do it in a convertible? I don't know. I, I, I don't understand that car. Yeah, it's it's a uh, this stupid fat kid with a rapper chain who thinks he's cool. But <laughs> oh god. But it's not it's actually not it's not no. for sale now. It's been off the market for a while, so it doesn't it doesn't fit our criteria, but it's it is it's, it's not it cool. deserves it deserves it deserves a beef. Yeah, all right. So all right. Fine. All right, let's go. I'm gonna pull up um speaking of talk- safety. Speaking of safety, (laughs) here we go. I'm going to, um, so those of you who are listening at watching, I pulled up a graph um, from the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety, which I'll talk a little bit um, later about, but the Insurance for Insurance Institute for Highway Safety.org. If you've never been to the website, go to the website. Fabulous website. They're leaders in automotive safety research. They're way ahead in my mind of NHTSA. Um, IHS pushes the regulations for safety and it's two part, you know, they want to pay out less on um, vehicle collisions and crashes as well as, as what it costs, um, you know, for human injury and loss of life. So if, the question here, if you have your choice, um, I mean, I know what you'd buy, but it, you know, your wife is trying to decide and she likes them both. Okay. A gorgeous minivan, we'll say the Toyota Santa, Sienna, or the, um, you know, the, the, she's looking to tell you ride SUV. So she can't decide whether she wants the SUV or the minivan. And what, you know, so, you know, typically you think, well, I, you know, do you like the minivan better? Does the door slide on the side. So which one are you going to tell her to buy? If you're looking at the graph, you're going to tell her, don't buy the, I'm not buying you the minivan, honey. And I'm definitely uh, not buying the, the Honda, sadly. You know, the Odyssey. Yeah. So, you know, so here's what's interesting to me. And um, 
I keep hearing noise in the background. I thought it was my wife screaming. I don't know what the hell I hear. I'm hearing <laughs> some dog or something going crazy. But the so minivans are purchased to haul kids and people around. That's what they're for. So you would think that an automotive manufacturer is going to design this vehicle. That your immediate thought is they designed it as a family vehicle, right? So you're immediately thinking, well, they're thinking about my family. It's it's going to be safe. Well, the top four selling minivans get marginals and pours, not even good. It's awful. I was like, you got to be kidding me. So what happened was, um, you know, these are people haulers. Safety is expectation. Well, the Insurance Institute for Highway Safety launched an updated, what they call the moderate overlap front test last year. And what they did was they found that in newer vehicles, the risk of fatal injuries higher for belted occupants in the second row than for those in the front. So IIHS started adding um, a small woman, the fifth percentile, or a 12-year-old child to the backseat strapped in all of their car crashes. So now they're measuring the injuries sustained to the driver as well as to the rear-seated occupant. I know, I mean, it was a long time ago, but about 20, uh, it's actually been about 18 years ago, I published two papers looking at what would happen, what in uh, real life crashes of women versus men in different vehicles. And basically the premise was, you're no crash dummy, meaning the cars are all designed and tested for the standard 50 percentile male, which doesn't actually represent a lot of us. And I found that people are affected differently in different vehicles. So IHS started saying the same thing, you know, people in rear seats aren't doing as well as the front seated passengers. Well, a couple of things have happened is, you know, the cars are required to pass the test for the driver and the front seat occupant. So, of course, the front seat's going to have the, the seatbelt pretensioners. They're going to have the load reducers. They've got airbags everywhere. And we always kind of thought that the rear seated passengers, you know, just, yeah, they're going to do as well. Well, apparently they don't. Um, so they found in the results that none of these four minivans earned an acceptable or good rating. So if we look over here on this, um, I pulled it up here where you start to see is they all have good structure and safety cage. The driver injury does good, except for the Toyota Sienna was acceptable. Driver restraints and kinematics were good, but now you start to get into the rear passenger head and neck acceptable in the pacifica marginal in the kia carnival poor in the honda odyssey so what they're finding is especially like in the honda odyssey what happened was the crash dummy submarine under the lap belt and then the shoulder belt migrates across the neck mm. oh, oh. yeah which is really bad in the in the pacifica the side curtain side curtain didn't even deploy and so rear passenger restraints and kinematics the sienna got a or so really, you know, if you're in this market for a people hauler for your kids, for passengers, picking up people, you need more than two rows, three rows. Your last choice now is a minivan. I mean, it just absolutely, there's a do not, I mean, this is from my standpoint, this is a do not buy, do not recommend, pass, go. And unfortunately, you may not want an SUV, but if you really want to take care of your loved ones, your kids that are going to be in the rear seat on the way to school, you don't want a minivan. This is this is this is this is awful. I mean, it is was, awful because that's the market. For, it's it's the market for whom whom it's designed. And I and, and I'm not being critical of the way they test, but if you look at that far left 
category, the overall rating with the marginal, and then the Honda Odyssey rated as poor overall. But then you look across through the horizontal bar, the Pacifica, and again, I'm not defending it. I'm just like looking at how do they come up with the data, you know, because it's got goods and acceptables, and then it's got one marginal, but it gets an overall rating of marginal. Are there other factors weighing in here that we're not seeing on this color graph? Well, there's other graphs, but the thing is, if you get a poor in a category, it just you're knocked down. I mean, it doesn't. Okay. It's, yeah, it's like you know. So the average, you know, I mean, they had the acceptable, which is so acceptable is better than marginal. So if you look at it, it's green is good, then it goes for yellow acceptable. So they had the acceptable. So they still, you know, but their their low score, of the marginal is where they're at. And you know, does it? So this is. Clearly, they're so, they're so if you if you it's really the overall is your lowest score. Pretty, yeah, pretty Almost. much when 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 they look at this, the rear passenger weighted in this study. Yeah, they really were weighting this for rear passenger, and because I mean, if you look at it from just the standpoint of the front, the driver in the front, yeah, they're good, but really the overall rating here, they said no. We're, the, the overall rating is. What's the worst thing that happens to a passenger in a vehicle? That's where that's your minimum standard. So the minimum standard is the worst that happens. The rear seat passenger takes the worst of it. So that is the minimum standard. So that overrides what it, the, the drivers are good. Well, to uh, to improve something, you have to first measure it. And back when we were parents with young kids, this was not measured. And we, uh, anytime you got into a minivan, I've driven minivan, many many minivans with my kids. And they pile on the back. You just assume they're safe because we didn't know better. And oh, by the way, as parents, not only are you taking your own kids, you're usually taking friends. A lot of times you're taking friends. You're responsible for their lives and safety too. Boy, I'm glad they're measuring it now. Yeah. yeah. You know, the other thing you talk about putting kids in the back seat. So do you, do you think that when kids get into a minivan second row, that there are seatbelt reminders in the backs in those second row seats. There's not, right? Well, the only one that has it is a Toyota, the Toyota Sienna. Oh. So the Pacifica Carnival and Odyssey have no seatbelt reminder for the second row. I mean, like, come on. What? I mean, if, you know, I don't know what that part cost for a seatbelt reminder in the back, but they... So, you know, you're, yeah, you got your seatbelts on, kids. Oh, yeah, I got my seatbelt on. And no, they don't. So that, that that is crazy because it could not cost. I mean, it would, you would almost think the direct cost would have to be under $5 a unit yeah. to include that. I mean, like they, it can't right. be a cost saving thing. It's just, it's either just laziness or planned in obsolescence. So I just, I was just, I was abhorred by the data and the side curtain and, um, you know, that they don't even have a reminder. The Sienna does have seatbelt retentioners and force limiters. However, they didn't work because of the mechanism. The, um, they, they just didn't work because the kinematics. They still slid underneath and didn't do well. So I was just, I was like, uh, I was like, oh my gosh, I couldn't believe this, you know. But so word of the, you know, if you have us, if you're looking for, if you've got one of these minivans and you think it's time to upgrade, upgrade tomorrow. And um, take a look at IIHS Insurance Institute for Highway Safety.org. Look at the rear passenger um, data for a vehicle that you're considering buying if you're going to be hauling kids around in the back. As a general rule, with the same size, just, just talk about size, category, and/or seating capacity, the same size SUV would rate overall better 
So the overall, the SUVs have rated better with rear passenger vehicles, with rear, rear, rear seated passengers, yes. And um, I think if, if only because they sit higher. So that, that protects them a little bit. So, yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Stefan. And All right. Wonderful, wonderful safety message. I hope parents are listening. Um, I'm going to move on to car spotting because I saw a really interesting car. This is a 1968 Carmen Ghia, Volkswagen Carmen Ghia. And this is a car when we were kids, you saw Carmen Ghia's all over the place and they were just ubiquitous. Uh, it's very, it's kind of similar to the Scirocco, which we've talked about. The Scirocco is a sporty uh, Volkswagen, but it's basically a Volkswagen Rabbit or Golf with a sportier body. Well, that's what this was. Carmen Ghia came as a coupe, uh, which actually was a two plus two or a convertible, which wasn't. Uh, just a very, very cool looking car, but essentially was a Volkswagen Beetle underneath. Adams, as a collector, these have been overlooked. Do you think that maybe they're going to be valuable or they will continue to be overlooked? I think, well, you know, I, I think the, the VW guys just love them. They just think that they're just the, the, the greatest thing. You know, it's it's interesting, I think, on the car name, Carmen being the people who stamped the metal body and Gia being the people who designed it. You know, so it's an Italian design and it's 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 got a great look. And it was, you know, we we think about uh Teslas today. Oh, they don't even have a front grill because they don't have a radiator. Well, look at the front of that. Well, you don't have a photo of the front, but I mean it's a completely no, unobstructed. There you go. You got the most minute little air intakes just for the passenger compartment. I mean, those obviously don't go to go to radiators, but I mean that was a pretty slick design and it looked kind of it looked very, very European and a little bit Italian. And, you know, it's a front trunk full of stuff. They won't get out of their own way power wise, but the VW folks don't care. That car is built well. Um, you know, the, the, the problem with a lot of the cars that era, of course, is rust. And, you know, there's, there's a joke going around that the Italians invented rust and then they licensed the process to Carmen. <laughs> wow. And so that's a heavily vulnerable car right there. But I like it. I think it's cool. I, it make, they make me smile. When I see them at a show, I always have to go over and sort of look at them a little closer. I do like them. They're, they were about twice the price of a Beetle, but those body panels were butt-welded, hand-shaped, and smoothed with English pewter. I mean, a very time-consuming process like hiring the manufacturers. But one interesting thing I did read about it was the 1974 Carmen Ghia had no rear seats you know they could have had rear seats but they didn't have seat belts back there so the u.s couldn't bring him in they couldn't bring him to the u.s without seat belts in the rear uh, the laws had changed so if you get a 74 carmen Ghia, there's just gonna be a big space back there but i like them i thought they were cool they like i mean i think if you were to i would think a carmen Ghia a little bit rustoed drop a bigger motor back there kind of yep. like uh our andrew who's been on this show did with his beetle put a hot rod motor back there I, I love them. I see them. I think they're cool. They were cool when I was growing up as a kid. And I, I great car. And this one looks beautiful too. It does look good. Yeah, I think I was thinking calling Andrew Clark. And I'd love to see Andrew Clark uh, put a Porsche engine into this, make it super hot. And then just to make it more relevant, call it a Cartman idea <laughs> for all the South Park fans. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. All right. So moving on, uh, we hinted at this last week. It's time to go in and just uh, launch on this car. Stefan, I'm going to let you start, but 
Ford said, oh, yeah, uh, for all the people that think the uh, Mustang Mach-E is not cool enough, I'm raising my oh, hand. God. There's this. Stefan, what is this? All right. This, I mean, this is just... This, <laughs> Let's just let the listeners... Hammering <laughs> this part of that. <laughs> so, listeners, I just brought up a picture of the Ford Mach-E Rally. R-A-L-L-Y. And you thought I hated the Dakar, the Porsche Dakar. <laughs> yeah, we did. I mean, yeah. <laughs> this is this is a dirt and gravel road queen. It's not even an off roader. I mean, the 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 clearance is so low on these things. You you can't take this thing off road. But who who wants a rally car that you just go sliding across gravel? Maybe you live in Missouri off a gravel road. I don't know. But you know, Ford said, "quote pushes electric vehicles in a different direction." The first ever rally inspired EV from Ford takes. Mustang freedom and fun onto dirt roads. Who thought that really was needed? Okay. I mean, the people I mean, who designed the uh, first four wheel drive cabriolet at Nissan. Yeah. There's oh. four of these. There's four of these sitting. There's four Mach E sitting at my local Ford dealer. I talked to them. 7,000 off sticker and a free charger at home. So they're not moving these as much as they'd like. I think part of the reason. Um, you know, the whole EV thing, but you know, you, you can get a the Hyundai Ionic 5 for about 12 grand cheaper. And oh, by the way, a free charger at home. But I mean, you know, then let me, let me take the next picture. Here, this is really was this just absolutely killed me. Picture a Focus RS inspired rear wing. I mean, that's just like more blasphemy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah the, the, don't even refer to the Ford Focus RS in this thing in the same phrase. And then they said we have red Brembo red Brembo brakes. Um, they thought that was like supposed to be really cool, but you can't even see it through these Coke bottle cap <laughs> wheels, right. these white wheels. So yeah, you're gonna spend all this money for some Brembo brakes. You can't even see through these. So these awful rims that are white. Oh my God, it's just yeah. Oh, but it does have the Rally Sport Drive mode. Oh, geez, thank you so much for that. Um, this is the modern day. Mustang to King Cobra package. Oh, oh, yes, very yes. You're well, right. It's, it's let's just do body cladding and ridiculous naming, and let's don't put the E on the end of rally like they really did back in the day. And let's what is with the wheels? I can't even quite figure that out. And you're right, Steph. Why would you pay for red Brembos? If you can't, only your mechanic, when he's doing a service underneath it, would ever even notice. I, I don't know that there, there's that that car just sends so many mixed signals. I can't get anything but noise. I think it's the best analogy. It is like a king cobra. It's all show and no go. Those wheels harken back to the wonderful Focus Rally cars, Ford Focus Rally cars of the early two thousands that had wheels that were similar to that, and of course. As Stefan said, that wing kind of harkens back to that same era, late 90s, early 2000s, kind of the, the heyday of the World Rally uh, uh, competition. And it, it was a great time. Ford has been rallying Fords and succeeding since the first generation Escort back in the 60s. I think maybe even the council was, was, was rallied. But the first generation Escort threw the Escorts into the focuses. And they succeeded and they did. It was all about performance. It was all about go. This is a joke. 
And that was Ford England. Well, that was Ford of England. Okay. That's UK. It's not American Ford. I mean, nobody in America gets a shit about rally. Um, <laughs> right. Unfortunately, it's great racing. <laughs> I guess no, Americans don't now, care. Right? Huh? They're supposed to now, right? <laughs> well, yeah. And they're supposed to now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> give me a break, man. I mean, Jim Farley, come on, dude. How, how do you stamp approval on this? I guess anything to get him out the door. But I mean, I mean, this well, thing is Ford, just a joke. Ford leveraged the European, and you're right, Stefan, it really was Europe and, and, and England, but they leveraged that rally success into to the Gymkhana, Ken Block Gymkhana. Yes. Those yeah. focuses, yeah. and kids relate to that. That was rallying in the United States. This is a joke. You're right. It's a complete and, and, joke. And you think about this car like, like shoulder to shoulder with like a Mitsubishi Evo, a real life rally type. Yeah. Car or a Subaru um, WRX, a real life rally type car that pays homage to directly. This is just tape stripes and words. It just doesn't. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah, that's right. Can we move on, please? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, happily. We should. Happily. Good, good riddance. So this or that, Adams, you got a good one this week. So let us know. Do we like this one? Okay. Well, right now I, 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 I like it. Okay, this is two cars. There you go. Two cars. All right, so listeners, this is the Adam section. This or that. He gives you two choices. We've got it. We've got some cash in our accounts, and he's going to give us two choices. You got to pick which, you know, we're going to talk about which one we'd pick and think about which one you would pick if you had this opportunity. By the way, contrast the picture that's up, which is a Mercedes AMG GT Coupe. GT Coupe. Con contrast that picture with the Onyx 6 you showed earlier. <laughs> like, give me a break. Once it's sunset, and this is like, this is like uh hey adams in, picked, in the these. I didn't pick these pictures adams gave me these okay this is i did i gave you those pictures I, the, you know the only reason i picked that particular photo is it's the only one i could find that didn't have black wheels uh i, I did not look close enough at the trash in the background for <laughs> listeners it's an impound yard picture <laughs> It could be why it's a little underpriced, but nonetheless, these are two cars from two different countries that follow basically the same uh, design parameters. Front engine, big whopping, hulking, high horsepower V8, uh, 450 plus on the horsepower, two-seater, strictly two-seaters, uh, one from Germany and one from America. This particular one is the AMG GT uh, that, that Mercedes no longer makes as a two-seater. It's now a four-seater, boo. Um, it's got two little back seats, like they're trying to pirate sales from not from a 911, which they won't do. Uh, but you've got the AMG GT, uh, basically 2000. When did that car come out? Maybe 2016 to 2018, maybe That's 17. Right. Um, and then the Corvette C7 Grand Sport, also front engine V8, two seats only. And shockingly, though their original sticker prices were the same, they are both for our collector friend who's got 70-ish grand, 70 to 80 to spend. They're the same price. What do you pick? Easy for me. I'd go with the Mercedes. I'm just not a, you know, I know this, I think this Corvette is a lot of car for the money, um, but Weirdly to say, I do like the styling of the AMG GT. I saw one when I picked up my bullet. They had one that was in that kind of like a a weird color. Is that matte orange or something that was, you know, one of those flat paints, which I hate. But I looked at the car. I like, I mean, I do. I'm always been a two-door coupe kind of guy, a tour, a GT car touring. And this is 
this would fall just in line with that. Um, I'd have to go with the Mercedes all day long, no questions asked. I drove uh, an AMG GT a couple of years ago, uh, and I drove it pretty extensively. Absolutely loved it. The V8 was fantastic. It's four liter twin turbo. Uh, the problem for me was automatic only. They don't have a manual option, which mm. I thought was a problem. But boy, it was a really good automatic. I love this car. It has a lot of presence. I talked about that with the S-Class. A lot of presence. People notice it uh, without being ridiculous. You know, if you drive some exotics, you're, people are always staring at you. With this one, they don't. Um, but I really, really like the AMG GT. Uh, really love it. And I'm not a Corvette guy. Therefore, I would go with the Corvette. Uh, <laughs> I, I like the Grand Sport. I like that it ties to, there was a C4 Grand Sport at the end, the run out of the of this C4, fourth generation, they had a Grand Sport that was great. It's a collector's item now. And I know you can get, I'm, I'm almost positive you get this C7 Grand Sport in a manual. And it's a special car. I like that it's American. I would choose it over the Mercedes. That is so interesting because you had all of us like staring down the barrel that it was going to be the AMG. That is that is a very interesting, especially since you spent time in the AMG. I have spent no time in either. I have heard an AMG GT, and I think it's one of the best exhaust notes. Yeah. Yes, I'm a flag-waving American V8 loving kind of guy, but man, that exhaust note on that car just sounds terrific. I would be looking at the two. I'm not a Corvette guy. I've owned, I think, three in the past, and they're just not me. I would choose the AMG GT. I think it's a tremendous car for the money. I think in collectability terms, since you're not having an SLS and you don't have 200 grand to spend, I think they are a flat-out bargain. I just looked it up. I said 500 horsepower. They're they're actually a 400. And it's funny how close they are in power. The Corvette is 460 horse and the AMG is 469. So, you know, coin toss on that one. I would totally pick the GT. It's finished so beautifully inside. I hate to say the, the Corvette interior sort of looks a little bit like a Chevrolet. They got a lot of criticism uh, for, for just cheaper materials, hard plastics. The C8, they don't do that anymore. But that interior was a little substandard, and I think the AMG GT interior is just a fabulous little cocoon, and I, I would I would love to drive one. There you Beautiful. go. There you go. All right. Uh, we are on time, so it's good. We finished on time. Uh, so. That happened. Let, let's babble <laughs> on, shall we? Stefan, close it out. That was fun, by the way, Adams. I really enjoyed that. But, yeah, Corvette for me, so go ahead and close this out. Yeah, so if you're on YouTube, hit that bell, whatever that's supposed to mean. I think that means subscribe or like. And then if you're listening on Apple, Spotify, like or subscribe, uh, send your comments our way. And uh, we'll be back at you next week.